0: What's up? It's Brent. Welcome back to Burgundy Blogcast. The Redskins are 3-2 after beating the Panthers and remain in first place in the NFC East. That was a pretty solid win. Here's some thoughts. Props to Jay Gruden and his Redskins for a nice win at home today against a pretty good team in the Carolina Panthers. Skins had previously never beaten Cam Newton in, I think, four tries, maybe even five, and today, although things clearly were far from perfect, they did a pretty good job overall, I thought, especially in the first half, of just bothering him in a number of ways, just just bothering him enough to uh, basically get in the way and get it done. More importantly than anything else at all, the Redskins were extremely opportunistic in this game, picking off Cam once and forcing two DJ Moore fumbles that they also recovered. And in this game that they ultimately won by only six points, it is obvious that the plus three turnover margin is basically the whole story. Those were not lucky plays, though. They were all earned, including that uh, floating duck interception by Josh Norman. It was a bad pass, but not entirely gift-wrapped. And he did have to make a nice athletic play on the ball. So the Redskins deserve credit for forcing those three takeaways, two on D and one on special teams. And that's basically why they won. Gruden, as the individual ultimately most responsible for this season and this game, certainly shoulders the bulk of blame and criticism when the team loses, and especially when they look bad or unprepared. And in turn, whether you happen to be pro-J or anti-J, he does deserve a big chunk of credit for this good win against a good team. Number one, I really like that he was obviously able to totally bury the Josh Norman drama from last week, which I certainly worried could taint and undermine the entire season if they didn't nip it in the bud. And to nip it, he clearly did. He said the right things. Norman himself said all the right things. That appears to be water under the bridge. So good for Jay Gruden for keeping his locker room together and keeping his high-profile Outsized personality celebrity corner all together and on the same page after a humiliating Monday night loss. Next, we rip Gruden when the team comes out flat or sloppy or lackadaisical or when they don't quote unquote get up for a game. Well, they did indeed get up for this one. They were clearly hyped after kickoff and through the first quarter. Swearinger was rocking the ST-21 face mask tape. There was a lot of energy, clearly, and just as importantly, there was focus. And overall, solid execution without dumb mistakes or missed assignments in that first quarter. And for the most part, the Redskins sustained it, so credit Gruden for motivating the Redskins this week to whatever extent a coach can truly motivate a professional athlete. Next, I thought Gruden's play calling today was mm, maybe not great, but pretty good. It felt to me like he made an effort to really get everybody involved who needs to be involved, including and especially Jordan Reed. I liked when he called a QB keeper on a fourth and one that was successful. I liked an interesting little option play to Mo Harris in the first half. I liked a second half play where he bunched three tight ends out to the right and Alex Smith hit Jordan Reed who just ran behind the other two for a really easy 11 or 12 yard gain. I definitely didn't like every single thing along those lines. In particular, a continuation of what seems to be this trend of him just getting pretty conservative in the second half when he's got a lead, just kind of easing up off the gas and and trying to eke out wins. I mean, granted, both of the other two wins were by more than one score, but I think obviously we can all agree at this point that the engine of this offense is, is starting to become very poorly lubricated in the second half of most of these games. So that's on him. And then there was this other really ugly sequence. I think in the third quarter where they had the ball down somewhere around Carolina's 30-ish or 35, maybe 40, because it was like borderline field goal range. And they had like a third and three, maybe four. He called kind of a nondescript pass play that just didn't really work. Then he decided to go for it on fourth, which from that region of the field, I'm generally in favor of on a fourth and one, maybe two. But He starts feeling himself a little too much, decides to go for it. Then he has to kind of bumble around and call timeout, which is a waste, like six or seven minutes, I think, into the third quarter. And he comes back out, and they do run a play, and they don't get it. That was just tactically very poor because it was a waste of a precious second-half timeout. And furthermore, if he had known or been thinking that he was in four-down territory there, his third-down play call was just unnecessarily boom or bust. So there was that, and then just in general, uh, he he really still, even though they did score two first-half touchdowns, with one, of course, coming on the first play after the first takeaway. I think Gruden still, still, still really needs to work hard and even maybe go back to the drawing board. P.S., they probably should have done this during the bye week. But whether the roster is limited or not, Gruden has problems in the red zone. He's not getting it done when it comes to scoring touchdowns and not field goals, especially after long drives. And, of course, again, especially in the second half. Personally, I'd like to see a little bit more of Jordan Reed in the red zone maybe a little bit more shotgun and some efforts to spread the field out. Because this offense is really still choking too much when it gets inside the red zone or even the opponent's 40-yard line. But again, overall, I think you got to be fairly satisfied with what Gruden did today and this week overall. As much as we all totally hate how this team, the personality of this team is such that they tend to just kind of get fat and happy and live too long off of nice wins. But you have to acknowledge that he did kind of do it again. This thing where he stops the bleeding quickly. And his team rebounds nicely from a bad loss. Resiliency is a very valuable trait in a head coach and in a team. I have a feeling this week on the airwaves and the interwebs, this performance by Alex Smith is going to be something of a Rorschach test for fans. By that I mean, I think if you like Alex Smith, you will have seen several more reasons to like him more. And and if you don't like Alex Smith, he did give you some fodder for nitpicking. Critics will certainly point out that he does indeed continue to clearly hold the ball longer on average than certainly Kirk Cousins did, or even the average quarterback. It certainly does seem like there may still be some kind of issue with his timing or chemistry or whatever it is, because the ball is hardly ever coming out right on the top of his drop. Detractors certainly will point out that he continues to be a little bit inconsistent with his accuracy, and he hasn't been doing a ton to dispel his reputation as a check-down charlie. He did have a fumble today on which Trent Williams bailed him out hugely, and I am certain that in some way he shares responsibility for these second-half stalls in offensive momentum. But, 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 notwithstanding those limitations, I feel that he has been pretty good, good enough. I'm satisfied with his performance so far. He's left me wanting a little more, but has provided me that which I will always crave, which is competence at the QB position. Parentheses, excluding week five at New Orleans, end parentheses. I really felt like today he was the definition of a game manager, a successful game manager, and I mean that with the most positive connotations. The Redskins had four drives today of 10 plays or more, and they led the time of possession battle by 10 minutes. That is the cliff notes for what I'm talking about here. Yes, he and his offense were gifted three takeaways, including one very short field, but for the most part, he was able to take advantage of it, or produce enough outputs from those inputs to not only keep them competitive against a good opponent, but to win. I think on his two touchdown passes today, he demonstrated continued improvement in manipulating defenses within the context of Gruden's offense, especially on the first one getting or contributing to Vernon Davis being so wide, wide open by looking off Eric Reed in Jordan Reed's direction, and on the second by just doing a nice job of progressing to the open Richardson. I think he's doing an increasingly good job of spreading the ball around and getting everyone involved and keeping everyone's head in the game, especially today getting no fewer than four wide receivers involved after having targeted them so little coming into the game. I think, to be honest, that these checkdowns for which he is so oft maligned are usually good decisions and pretty often put these backs in good position to uh, do some damage after the catch, including Adrian Peterson, who has never been known as a receiving threat prior to being a Redskin. I think you're just being stubborn if you don't want to give Alex Smith any credit for that little epiphany. I think it's obvious that Alex Smith's legs are an asset to this offense. Every game he runs for a couple of first downs, and his threat to run, I think, has been a part of Peterson's success on the ground as well. Also, for your complaints about Alex Smith holding the ball too long, there is zero doubt that he does offer more than Kirk Cousins did in terms of extending plays. Finally, and maybe most importantly, call it Kool-Aid, but I'm here still buying into the leadership narrative on Alex Smith. I really think that regardless of how his more tangible skills and abilities compare to those of his predecessor, there is truly something to this notion that his teammates have a new and better sense of confidence in him, and that he can, or at least potentially could, elevate the team to higher heights through, like, I don't know, synergism or something like that. I just do think that even as he's working through several kinks, he, he is bringing the required legitimacy and reliability to the position. <laughs> Something kind of weird is happening to the Redskins' offensive line this year, and I think injuries are probably playing a pretty big part, although it's hard to quantify that. In recent years, with all of this homegrown, early-round talent, namely Trent Williams and Brandon Sheriff and Morgan Moses, they've developed a pretty good reputation, but primarily for pass-blocking. In fact, much more for pass-blocking than for run-blocking. Yet this year, their overall personality seems to have changed a little. They haven't exactly been a dominant road grading, run blocking unit in every single game, but Peterson has had three really good games. Meanwhile, Alex Smith has been under like constant or frequent duress in pretty much all of the games. He is really just not getting good pockets consistently, and a big part of it is that Morgan Moses, I think, has has really been pretty average in pass pro this year, and Trent Williams has been very good, but only very good, not elite and untouchable like he really has been in recent years. So I just think it should be noted that in their quest to become, you know, like a top five offensive line, especially under the tutelage of the, you know, most revered offensive line guru, Bill Callahan, they're definitely not there yet. I mean, they're a good unit, but they're not quite good enough. They still are leaving me hanging just a little bit. I'm looking for a little more and, and specifically for them to really put together a game or a few games in a row with not just one or the other, but both good pass pro and good run blocking before I start to, you know, mention them or consider them in the discussion of the uh, NFL's best offensive lines. Here's a Josh Doxson segment for you, and I don't really, I'm I'm not taking pleasure in this, because I really have tried to stay on the Josh Doxson bus for as long as possible, but I am starting to fall out the window. Maybe it's unfair today, because he did kind of do a couple, at least one or two kind of nice things in this game today, including he made one tightly contested catch, And he did have another nice first down play that was negated by a penalty. But for the most part, Josh Doxson, I'm sorry to say, is just continuing to not do nearly enough with all of his routes and with his granted modest number of targets. He's not producing nearly enough with what he's got. He is on the field a lot. I didn't see the snap counts yet for today. And I know he's got the heel again, or still, or whatever. I mean, this this heel, this is a permanent problem for him, clearly. But going back to the beginning of last season when he's really, you know, for the most part been healthy enough to go. This guy is on the field a lot. And when they when they try to go to him, I mean Gruden is constantly talking about we got to try to get him balls. We got to try to get him involved. They're trying pretty hard to actually force feed him the ball. And he's still not really getting a ton of looks and he's definitely not doing anything with it. His catch rate is low, his yards are low, his impact just by eye test is clearly low. He's not scaring defenses, he's not stretching them. He's certainly not dictating coverages. I mean, please, gosh, forget about that. And by the way, that is the only reason you draft a receiver in the first round in the 20s is because you're expecting him to do that. So, I mean, that's, that's out the window. But even as like a useful cog as, say, a red zone target or a, you know, a jump ball specialist, not bringing any of these things. He's just not doing these things with any kind of consistency. Meanwhile, Maurice Harris makes a, a key play or a flashy catch with his outstanding hands pretty much every game that he gets in. Even Brian Quick today made a couple of plays and just generally looked more like an effective NFL receiver than Doxon usually has. And I say this knowing and, and acknowledging that Doxon scored six touchdowns last year. I know, it's hard to believe. I had to look back and like triple check it. He did. Does it feel like Doxon scored six touchdowns last year? It feels like he scored two or three touchdowns last year. Dachson's just not doing anything for me right now. And I, like I said, it hurts because I wanted this to happen. But it's not happening. And I'm not burying him, and I'm not cutting him, and I'm not trying to unload him at all costs. Maybe he's still just going to be like an incredibly late bloomer. But yeah, me, going forward, I'm giving Mo Harris dachshunds touches. The Skins had pretty good success in the first half bothering Cam Newton as I said earlier, and really slowing that offense, because they were having success rushing only four guys at a time. They weren't exactly beating him up, but for the most part, they were hurrying him enough so they had trouble getting through the seven guys dropping back in coverage. Now, in the second half, it was a different story. Not because they changed their tactic, but because they just weren't getting home at all. Minuski continued to rush only four through the second half, but they weren't getting anywhere near him, and he was picking the defense apart. This was very frustrating to me. I think they should have been blitzing a little bit. I think if if You need to, you know, when the situation calls for it, if you're kind of going to a dry well, then you gotta change it up. You gotta switch what you're doing and bring some more pressure, okay, Greg? But along those lines, it has just become so glaring now that past Kerrigan, they're just not getting anything. I mean, Preston Smith hasn't been completely absent. You know, he's kinda getting there like once or twice a game, even if the sacks aren't showing up. But I was expecting a monster breakout contract year for Preston Smith, and that is just absolutely not happening. That the opposite has been the case for him. He's fizzling and like Ryan Anderson and McPhee have kind of like done one or two little things here and there. They're not scaring anybody. Now, those young guys on the line, Allen and Payne and Ioannidis, they're getting some good pressure and even some sacks, if not today. But I just know the Redskins are very disappointed in what Preston Smith has been doing so far this year. And you got to wonder if they might be thinking about trying to add a pass rushing linebacker before the trade deadline. I mean, I have nothing on that. No dirt, no scoop, no nothing. I just, I, I would think that they're considering that. Or, if not via trade, then maybe, just maybe an old friend? A still unsigned veteran friend with fresh legs whose specialty is sacking quarterbacks and whose locker nameplate might still be lying around? I don't know, man. I think they should be thinking about it. The Redskins really needed a win, but they also really needed for Josh Norman's individual trajectory to change. Because he is a big part of their salary cap, and I'm sorry, he's still a big part of that defense. He's also weird and talkative and a lightning rod. So they just needed him to finally have a, a, a breakout or a breakback game. And so he did. That's great. Really good for him and really good for them. His interception was nice. He made no big errors in coverage. And his forced fumble was just an awesome signature play. Hopefully this game is like a launching pad for what will become another good year for him. Because even as they show promise, I think it is clearly too early to even hope to rely primarily on Dunbar and Moreau. Dunbar in particular has had a number of slip-ups these past two games after starting hot. I think I like Swearinger a little more this year. He became a huge fan favorite immediately after signing, and he did even last year bring some legitimately to a position that has been lacking it forever, but I did kind of feel for most of the year like his big talking sort of outpaced his actual production, and at times he was a little suspect as the last line of defense. Now, even this year through five games, I think he has contributed to or sort of participated in at least one, maybe two specific major big play coverage breakdowns. His degree of culpability on those two, not immediately clear to me. But so far this year, those are real outliers, and he's been a pretty good difference maker. Today, he almost got to Cam in the end zone, and generally, he's been pretty sure at all levels of the defense so far this year, so I'm liking what I see out of him. He is not a pro bowl safety, but he's kind of on pace to have a, a clearly above average season. So I guess if we step back a little, where exactly in the context of the 2018 season are the Redskins right now? Of course, they're three and two, and they're in first. The Giants are train wreck and can be ignored for playoff purposes. Now, of course, not in head to head. I mean, it's still entirely possible the Giants will freaking sweep the Redskins, but the Giants are obviously not a threat for the division. Now the Cowboys have looked totally horrendous at times this year, but you know pretty good other times. And then today, geez, I did not watch this game, but looking at the score, they absolutely humiliated the Jags. So I don't know, maybe they're kind of figuring something out. I mean, they hung 40 on a good defense today. So they're three and three, and maybe we shouldn't entirely write them off. And then the Eagles are now three and three, and Wentz is pretty legitimately hot now. So I don't know, maybe the NFC East isn't quite as bad as we thought it was two weeks ago. I think we as fans obviously can and should be hoping for more consistency out of the Redskins, but I don't really think we're going to get it. I think they're going to be a risk to drop just stinky eggs, unpredictably and without warning, throughout the season. But I think we just need to hope that they become fewer and farther between. And just doing the simple math, with 11 games left, if they can somehow just go 7-4, and four, they're in. It's obviously far from certain, but I think it's doable if they can just figure out how to stop doing this annoying thing where they get lazy after wins. Next week, of course, is the Cowboys at home and a win there would probably set the table for at least a full regular season's worth of meaningful football games, which as you know is really all I've come to hope for from the Redskins. So yeah, it's a big game for a number of reasons, and it looks like the Redskins are early two point favorites. It's certainly crazy though how wide a variance still seems possible. Meaning I think like if if indeed Alex Smith has like some light bulb go on and he's able to really just start to grasp Gruden's offense. Soon in a far more sophisticated way, the Redskins could emerge as one of the better teams in the league and win those 10 or maybe even 11 games. But man, if they come out against Dallas and they're flat again, and they get beat bad, and even one more extracurricular sort of drama story pops up about a coach-player relationship or if a big injury springs up like a Trent Williams or an Alex Smith or a Payne or an Allen, I think the Redskins could just as easily melt down and end really badly, so... Which way is it ultimately gonna go? You can pretty much flip a coin, I guess, because that's how these redskins roll.